Thanks for listening to Curious Medicine. This episode is not suitable for children. Hello, and welcome back to Curious Medicine. I'm Christy. I'm Brian. And today we're talking about spermatorrhea. Yes, we are, but I think we're going to go into a few other topics on this one. <laughs> we're going to go down some rabbit holes. Yes, we <laughs> Our definitely favorite are. place to be. <laughs> we definitely are. Um, so, Brian, do you have a story to warm up the audience? I do. It's not so much of a story as it is something that just this topic reminded me of as I was kind of driving along and I thought it'd be interesting to share. Oh, okay. So let me ask you this before I start. Do you think that if someone is listening to an audiobook, that that counts as they're reading the book? Yes. Good. In that case, I'm reading <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Undaunted Courage about the Lewis and Clark expedition, oh, okay. which I thought was absolutely, which I think is absolutely fascinating. Mm-hmm. But in the story, uh, Lewis, I believe I'm getting this correct, has a faithful companion dog that he takes with him everywhere. And the dog's name is Seaman. So <laughs> throughout the story... Is that supposed to be an ironic name? No, he named him Seaman, and I believe it was because of something to do with the sea, or like, like as in Sailor Seaman. Oh. Yeah, not like... S-E-A-M-E-N. Yes, I should have clarified that. Or M-A-N. Yeah, he S-E-A-M-A-N. wasn't like... S-E-A-M-A-N. Right, he wasn't so taken with Seaman that he just... <laughs> You know what? Yeah. So tell me about Seaman. So, so, you know, I'm a grown man and a professional and mature, but every time I'm listening to this and they reference (laughs) Seaman, it just, I'm giggling all the way down because I'm listening in the car for the most part. I'm just laughing hysterically. And at one point, they meet their first, as we all are, I'm sure, familiar with the story of Lewis and Clark and the Westward Expedition. So they inevitably encounter their first Native American people, right? And one of the Native American chiefs is really taken with the dog, and he really wants the dog. And so at one point, the author says, Chief, whatever his name is, offered Lewis some, Lewis some money for some semen, but Lewis declined <laughs> to give him semen. And it just was hilarious. And I'm sure when he, when he wrote it, he probably, yeah. delete, 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 no, mm, I'm yeah. keeping that. Yeah, I mean, the dog's name is semen. What do you yeah. expect? But the chief was really upset that he couldn't pay for some semen. So from... <laughs> He couldn't but buy semen. He couldn't buy Lewis. Yeah, Lewis's semen. So, oh my god, yeah. that is so funny. Yeah, so I hope I'd that be sets laughing. the stage for I'd, what we're going to talk about today. I'd be laughing the whole time too. Okay, well, um, maybe our listeners haven't heard of spermatorrhea. Um, I had not until I started this. And if you're a guy, you want to you want to pay attention to this episode. <laughs> no, I'm just going to tell you that right you now. You want to be real grateful that you live in the 21st century. I learned a lot about uh, our topic today. Yeah, and how good it is to be alive in the 21st century. <laughs> okay. As defined by Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Spermatorrhea is abnormally frequent or excessive emission of semen without orgasm. That's that's what the current dictionary says. However, we're not talking about today's concept of spermatorrhea. No, no, we're going back. We are going back to the Victorian era where that definition of spermatorrhea was basically any leakage of semen outside of marital intercourse. So essentially, anytime you would have ejaculate when you were not having intercourse with your wife, that was considered spermatorrhea. And that was a big no, no in the Victorian era. This was sort of like the male version of hysteria. Do you know what hysteria is? I do. Yeah. And it's something that you're not supposed to say to women. 
<laughs> yeah, and we're going to have, we are going to have an episode about that in the future. Uh, but today we're talking about sort of the male version of hysteria. All right. People were obsessed with this condition. Okay. It was a fake disease, but people were obsessed with it. People were absolutely horrified by this condition. In the public's mind, this was classified as a venereal disease and regarded as repugnant. Mm -hmm. You did not want to catch hold of the spermatoria, (laughs) but many people did. It was very, it was rampant. (laughs) Um, So wait, 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 wait. So if you spill ejaculate in in, outside of the confines of marriage and procreation, then therefore you have this condition. Correct. So I'm sure it was quite rampant. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Every day. Yeah. yeah. Since, yeah, since uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. There were extensive articles in medical journals. Even the Lancet, which is the very first reputable um, medical journal, published articles. And so th- <laughs> this makes you makes you wonder what kinds of things printed in today's reputable medical journals will be mocked in the future, right? But many publications about the topic were for public consumption. So there were many books and pamphlets written on this topic that that the average Joe could just go and and pick up at the uh, at the general dollar store. <laughs> Where's your semen section? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) When you have spermatoria, what doctors believed was that your body becomes a sieve, losing vitality from every orifice. Semen leaks away in ejaculations, nocturnal emissions, urination. Sweat oozes from every pore, creating clammy palms of the (laughs) self-abuser. Okay. For whatever reason, this fake disease was rampant in the middle class men. Probably because both the upper class would be unlikely to submit to the treatments and the lower class couldn't afford medical care. For decades, surgeons saw this disease as widespread and threw up the alarms. But quacks were becoming more prevalent and saw that treating people for this quote unquote sexual disease in one of the most uptight eras this world has ever known was making them money hand over fist. (laughs) Pun intended. Eventually, in order to push aside all the quacks, learned physicians, as well as surgeons who were not quacks, were realizing and insisting that actual cases of this were rare. But too late, the public was already convinced otherwise. It's estimated that two-thirds of persons seeking attention from surgeons claimed to have or thought they had this disease. Mm -hmm. Brian, you look like you want to say something. Yes, just for clarification, I know we, we come from different parts of the country now, but when you were saying, were you saying scythe? Well, I was saying sieve. Like a sieve. Well, I thought it was like a sieve. Or actually, we 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 looked this up and we're going through this whole thing, so just in case anyone was confused about what she was talking about. I was saying sieve, and I guess I should have been saying sieve. And the whole time, the both, you know, when we tried to re-record that little segment, you kept throwing up your arms, and you had this weird look on your face, but I just kept talking, so. Okay, so uh, your body becomes like a sieve. How's that? Perfect. Okay, good. What would cause my body to start leaking like a sieve? The causes of spermatoria, illicit or excessive sexual activity, especially masturbation. 
masturbation in the Victorian era was a big no-no since it was pleasurable. And in the Victorian era, all things pleasurable were prohibited. It was seen as the great enemy of the church. Um, In 1700s, medicine also turned its back on masturbation, with doctors arguing against self-pollution. Other causes of spermatorrhea. This is interesting. Hemorrhoids. Really? Hmm, I did not read that. When we did our hemorrhoids episode, we did not talk about... (laughs) That I could be... Wow. Hmm. Yeah. Bad weather evidently can cause spermatoria wait, wait, who wait. knew as we're recording this it's gloomy outside so. <laughs> oh maybe people couldn't go outside and they just stayed in uh, wink, wink. okay <laughs> i had an acute attack of yeah, spermatoria oh my God, because like the weather five is times. It was terrible. so bad <laughs> okay now here's one that i don't understand the connection with worms what Maybe if you got some sort of parasitic worm, that it might cause something like that. Maybe that's what they're talking about. I don't know. I'm, in all of my studies, I've never <sighs> come across the spermatum. There, there are things that sound like spermatorrhea, but I don't think that's what they're talking about. When <laughs> no. The spermatorrhea worm. All right. Let's talk about the consequences of spermatorrhea. So if you were afflicted by this, you know, fake disease, this... No, wait, wait, wait. Don't no, just, yeah, just some plain sure. devil's advocate. Are we yeah. sure that this is really fake? Because as we talk later, um, we're going to talk about modern day spermatoria. As they described it, okay, and okay. as they defined the causes and all of that. Got it. Yes, by the definition of any leakage or any spillage outside of right. the intercourse right, okay. with your marital partner got it yes okay. so again you know yes we are definitely differentiating between the spermatoria of yesteryear your granddaddy's spermatoria <laughs> right <laughs> right <laughs> and the spermatoria of today there is a huge difference they are not the same thing so yeah we are talking about sort of you know the men's hysteria and all of the okay. things associated with that I'm going to quote from one of my favorite books, Strange Medicine. In the 1800s, physical and mental consequences of masturbation are as follows. I'm going to have a very long list here. Weakness. I feel, like, I, I feel like I'm being lectured right now. <laughs> you are. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> you are. I'm fixing to tell you what's going to happen if you masturbate too much. Okay. Weakness. Inactivity. Deadly paleness, wasting of body, depression of mind, eye loses its luster and strength, eyeball sinks, whole body becomes sickly and morbidly sensitive, (laughs) muscular power is lost, sleep brings no refreshment, every movement becomes disagreeable, feet refuse to carry the body, hands tremble, pain is felt in all limbs, the senses lose their power. All gaiety is destroyed. Such persons seldom speak. All former activity of mind is destroyed. Digestive power destroyed. Flatulence and stomach pain. Chest obstructed. Eruptions and ulcers break out on skin. And finally, in the end, epilepsy, consumption, slow fever, Fainting fits, early death. Mm-hmm. The beginning of that sounded like me every morning, but 
until we got to the epilepsy and all that stuff. I mean, can you imagine being, I mean, I'm sure you can't being a little boy, but being a little boy where, okay, I'm sorry, but the fear, like, even I remember hearing that your hands could turn, your palms could turn hairy, and I believed it. Like, I was like, no way. Like, in my logical mind, even as a little kid, I was like, that's impossible. Yeah. But then uh, you're nine years old, and all your friends are like, no, it's true. I know a guy (laughs) did it. They had to cut the the hair off his hands. Stop touching that thing. He had to get skin graft, and I was like... And you're not going to ask your parents if it's true, so you're like... You're in there getting your dad's razor ready yeah, to you're shave like, okay, off the palm um, of that hand. It's worth it. I'm going for it. <laughs> well, let the, let the cards fall where they may. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Well, then you start actually getting hair on your body hair on your back of your hand. And you're like, oh, my God, it's true. It's true. They They were, they were serious when they said that. So, Brian, I understand you're going to talk to us about the history of masturbation. Yes, I am. I'm going to go through a a little bit of a historical journey through (laughs) the practice of masturbation, or as some people like to call it, (laughs) self-love. Or like they used to like to call it, self-pollution. Yes. (laughs) Self-abuse. Oh, we'll get there. Now, and now how keep, far back are we going? We're gonna get in the time machine. We're gonna we're gonna take a minute. We're gonna okay. take a trip here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing we want the audience to keep in mind is that we're today really kind of focusing more on male masturbation because it just applies to what we're talking right, about. Right. Yeah. So, this is all about the men. Right. And yeah. and the relationship to masturbation. It's not just the act necessarily of masturbation, but it's how semen is regarded. Is yeah. the main thing. Yeah. I mean, this. So let's clarify. This episode really is about spermatorrhea. Mm-hmm. However. Because in the Victorian era, they were just consumed by this... The, the repressive culture. At that yes, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. So you, it may sound like this, this whole episode is just masturbation in disguise with a different topic title. And two people who can't stop giggling. <laughs> <laughs> but it really is about spermatorrhea. And we're also going to talk later about what they did to sort of treat this condition, this fake disease. So for better or worse, a lot of this surrounds masturbation. If we look at the, the attitudes towards masturbation, the medical profession as well as society in general, attitudes towards masturbation has shifted over the years. And so we don't really know, like we know they, the anthropological evidence suggests that different tribal cultures, I remember when I took anthropology, we talked about this, have really? different attitudes. Yeah, we have uh-huh. not just, well, they mentioned masturbation, but different yeah. attitudes about sex in general. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, there's certain things that just our, our culture is just completely repressive when yeah. it comes to, you know, you have people living in one small little hut and yeah. they got to make babies somehow, right? And they're not <laughs> as, as considered prudish as, yeah. as towards sexuality yeah. as they are. So, yeah. Um, that being said, there's always been a high regard for semen uh, in most cultures throughout time. So there was a connection that semen, I don't think they really got the picture that there was an egg, that the female mm-hmm. uh, uh, reproductive capacity was contained within the body, and you couldn't necessarily see that. You saw mm-hmm. the end result, but you didn't really see the components. Mm-hmm. I'm sure even the most primitive cultures realize, okay, when this stuff comes out, there's a baby that happens. So yeah. somehow this stuff is important to make that happen. Yeah. They didn't know how the other things happened, but yeah. they knew that this was an important component of it. So if you waste it, you might not have any more. And so that was kind of the the feeling. So yeah. um, one of the ancient Ayurvedic texts in India actually really went into detail about spermatorrhea and they actually addressed it with some herbal remedies and things like that. But they actually wrote uh, a really interesting thing when they talk about semen. And, and I'm quoting here from the text. It takes 40 meals to make one drop of blood 
40 drops of blood to make one drop of bone marrow, and 40 drops of bone marrow to make one drop of semen. So that's how highly regarded. So spilling it was like a serious, because they had no idea yeah. that you were constantly making it. Right. They're like, okay, that's, right. you know. Right, you just wasted that. Yeah, look yeah. what you did. Look what yeah. you did, you know. <laughs> you didn't put that to good use. <laughs> yeah, so uh, when we fast forward to uh, Rome and we start to see uh, the beginnings of, of Western medicine, uh, both Hippocrates and Galen both advocated masturbation to balance the humors and so mm -hmm. there was a feeling there that it served a medical purpose and mm -hmm. again we've talked about the four humors mm -hmm. and being able to release some sort of fluid from the body in this case the, the fluid of semen to be able to balance the four humors and this practice went on and well into the enlightenment up until the 1700s so instead so. of bleeding they would just <laughs> release some semen so if you're giving me a choice <laughs> yeah like you can either i have a headache i <laughs> I feel whatever. I feel anything. I better go. Yeah. <laughs> we can either bleed you or. Yeah. 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 Which, which, hum which of the four humors do you want to get rid of? I'll do the home therapy yeah. thing. Um, but it's interesting here because the term gonorrhea actually becomes, I guess, synonymous with spermatorrhea because there really wasn't a spermatorrhea term. Uh -huh. So Galen uses the term gonorrhea quite frequently, but not. To refer Not in the to sense the disease that we, that we use it exactly. now. Yeah. It had to do, and, I, and I, I wrote it down, but I don't have it, forgive me, but I believe it has to do with the flow flowing out or something like that. Okay. So uh, what it really just meant liquid flowing out of the okay. body, basically. And so okay. he considered any of that fluid gonorrhea. Mm -hmm. And so I think it can be confusing if you're going back and looking at it with a modern lens that that's not what he was talking about. Right. And so, but this was considered a positive thing in terms of being able to balance your humors. Okay. And, and leave it to guys to be like, you know what I think we should do? <laughs> I think this is helpful. <laughs> We I'll, better we better get balanced. I recommend that we do this every day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, like I said, this went on. This this uh, practice of balancing the humors went on well into the Enlightenment, which is kind of funny because, uh, well, not really funny, but if you think about men making all the rules, they made a, a medical rule that I have to do this to yeah. balance everything to <laughs> right. make sure that I'm healthy. But I'm a woman even yeah, today. a woman even <laughs> thinks about touching hers, and she's going right. to some institutions somewhere. She's a bad girl. So, like I said, this went on. The practice of masturbating to balance the humors went on well into the Enlightenment. We're getting into around the end of the 16th, or end of the 17th century, into the 18th. Uh, there was a pamphlet published in 1710 by an anonymous author, and the name of the pamphlet was Onania. And this was a highly influential and widely published uh, pamphlet over the next half century that argued against, as you said before, the heinous sin of self-pollution. Uh -huh. Okay, so <laughs> arguments were logically, uh, largely theological in nature. And so uh, the whole idea really comes from uh, it, the book of Genesis and the story of Onan and his sin of spilling his seed. But, okay, I am not just for uh, yeah, purposes know, here. I am not, not a religious scholar, yeah, so yeah. if any of this is wrong, then feel free <laughs> yeah. to add us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the whole idea was a reference to Onan from the book of Genesis and his sin of spilling his seed and the dire consequences that he faced. And so the author, again, this is an anonymous author, claimed that masturbation is responsible for fainting fits, epilepsies, and consumption, like you mentioned mm -hmm. earlier. And it quote, rob the body of its balmy and vital moisture, <laughs> leaving young men to die uh, shriveled up in their graves or something like that. So um, it, later after this, we'll get into it, how this made a connection to spermatorrhea, but that started the, the plant of the seed that if you drain the body of its fluids, then mm -hmm. this is a, a serious medical condition. If you're, if you're just wantonly you know, mm -hmm. releasing semen from when it shouldn't be released and mm -hmm. you're putting yourself in, in harm's way. Now, let me go back. The whole thing about Onan, because this started this whole thing, and this is going to really 
play in for the next 300 years as to how, or 200 and so years as mm -hmm. to how this is viewed. This is pretty crucial. This is wrong. This is a complete misinterpretation <laughs> of religious text. Onan's sin. Oh, really? Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Onan's actual sin was using coitus interruptus to keep from impregnating his late brother's wife which was his duty to do at the time. Now, I don't know the story. This is what I got in my research, and I didn't want to jump down the rabbit hole of reading the Bible. Yeah. But from, <laughs> from what I gather, his brother died, and he married the wife or somehow had relationship with her wife, and it was his job and duty then, therefore, to consummate yeah. and Yeah, I think it was, that so was so common, on. yeah. And so he didn't, for whatever reason, didn't want to do that, and so he kept using coitus interruptus, and that was the sin. It had nothing to do with him masturbating. I see. But somehow this got twisted up. So he was doing the pull-out method, right, essentially. exactly. Yeah. Okay, so this whole idea, so regardless of whether or not that was um, a misinterpretation of religious scripture, and remember, we're talking 1710, so... Um, religion is everything in right. the, these beliefs. I mean, there's, there is no questioning. You're not going on the internet and someone's telling right. you it's not true. This is the way <laughs> right. it is. Yeah. And the fact that what I find really interesting here is that this was an anonymous author that didn't put his name to this. And it, and this from, according to my research, this was highly influential, influential for the next 50 years. Yeah. You know, this is the, what really set everything forward. And as we see later on, how the yeah, disease it was gets fake news. Yeah, and it was fake news. <laughs> And it was the 1700s version of fake news. <laughs> and so later on, uh, probably about 20 years later, a Swiss physician named Samuel Tissot uh, maintained the idea semen, semen is precious, but di differentiated between the circumstances of its loss. So he says that, yes, he agrees with the original uh, uh, opinion of the anonymous author that, yes, semen is precious. But he thought, OK, wait a minute, time out. So if you're telling me that if I masturbate, then I'm going to produce these dire health consequences if I lose semen. Well, I'd lose semen even if, if I'm having sex, I'm going to lose semen. Yeah. If, if I ejaculate in the woman or not right. in the context of sex, I'm still losing semen. Right. But you're just saying if I masturbate, then it becomes, I'm still losing semen either way. Yeah. But you're just putting it on <laughs> masturbation. Is the if thing that's I, me if I have nocturnal emissions, yeah, yeah. if I have... <laughs> I mean, he's like, time out. He's like, how, how does my body know the difference? <laughs> Which... Made me laugh because, again, this is men, right? So anything you questioned that was scientifically or especially religious doctrine, you yeah. were, like, executed or yeah. something bad happened to you. This, yeah. again, men. Somebody was like, you know, he's got a good point. <laughs> <laughs> Why shouldn't we be able to masturbate more? It's like, but wait. <laughs> Let's hear him out. Yeah. <laughs> give, the, give the brother a chance. <laughs> Everyone, calm down here. Explain yourself. <laughs> so uh, he... he he differentiated between the two, but he also still believed, though, that uh, masturbation causes large losses of semen, and the effects of these large losses of semen were worse than if such losses occurred, and quote-unquote, in such an unnatural manner. So he did, he was on the right track in saying that there's no difference in how you lose the semen, but I, now whether this was him getting pressure, like, okay, all right, fine. <laughs> masturbation is bad, you know. But I think common sense was probably like, really. yeah, not really, dude. I, <laughs> he's like know. winking. Yeah, off he's like, side. yeah. There's an asterisk at the bottom of his report. <laughs> <laughs> but he did argue that masturbation caused impotence in what he called simple gonorrhea, quote unquote, because, and I'm quoting here, the relaxed parts suffer the semen to escape as soon as it secreted. So uh, this was another extremely influential uh, piece of information, but we still haven't really gotten to the point where we've identified these losses of semen and given it a name, right? 
Okay, so now a German guy comes along in 1787. And remember, we've gone from 1710 with that first pamphlet and, and the, the Onania movement mm-hmm. kind of started where all of this is kind of backboned. The uh, 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 German by the name of Wickman, I don't know his first name, but it was just referred to always as Wickman. He wrote something called the De Pollution Diurna. <laughs> hope I got that right, in 1787. And this was the first publication since Onanism in the 70 years earlier. And remember, that was the one by the Swiss physician that we just mm-hmm. talked about where he differentiated, differentiated between the two. So not much had changed in 70 years where they... Still were kind of like, okay, this guy came out and said, masturbation's bad, but it's not as bad. So this this publication was translated from Latin to French by, uh, I'm assuming this is a woman, by St. Marie from Montpierre in 1817. Uh, and St. Marie, this is important because St. Marie was the first, it was the most influential writer for a guy named Le Yamont. And I'll get to him in a minute because this is exactly where things start to change. Now, right? Brian. Yes. Do you really think St. Marie was a woman? I don't think so. Because do you th- really think that they would have let a woman near near this topic? No. Anywhere near this no. topic. Well, Whether she Marie? was just writing about it or I agree. <laughs> or translating it, I think it was probably a man. I agree with you. I think he just had a feminine name. Uh, Maybe that was a maybe masculine, it was a masculine, name, masculine then. name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah back yeah. in those maybe days. Maybe somebody French can be like, my great, great, great. Yeah. So we fast forward to a place called Montpellier in France. And a gentleman by the name of Claude Francois Leyamont. And my French is like <laughs> legit. I was thinking it was Claude Lalamond. No, 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 no. no, no. no. Your way is, Yeah, no, I know your you way. You know, I'm is... related to, to Louis the Fourteenth, right? I told no, you that right. Uh, right. Mm. Mm-hmm. Ancestry.com. Oh, yep. oh, mm-hmm. fascinating. So it's legit. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So anyway, so that's where that French comes from. Yeah. Careful, they don't use your DNA to Ooh, accuse you of a crime. You're right. <laughs> Just go was Louis the Fourteenth. I watch way too many Dateline episodes. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, I digress. So uh, remember, I said Saint Marie uh, translated the De Pollution Diurna. Okay, and this was the first publication since uh, in seventy years, and it made it way it made its way to Montpellier. And Claude Francois Le Yamont actually was very influenced by this writing. So he's important because he championed and actually identified the disease in 1835. And he, exci- he cited excessive masturbation as the, the fake primary disease, cause. The fake way. disease. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the fake disease. Right. Um, and so in his opinion, the disease degrades man, poisons the happiness of his best days, and ravages society. <laughs> and so now we have a disease, right? But if you see the connection, I just, the roadmap, the masturbation roadmap I just laid out to you. Okay. Yeah. You see where we've started with this idea of masturbation being the, the root of all of it. We get to yeah. one and, and then we get another and then boom, boom, boom. Now we have a disease that somebody just came up with that has its roots a hundred years earlier in some mm-hmm. weird concept that some anonymous dude wrote about <laughs> masturbating. So this is wild when you think about it, but it doesn't stop there. Okay, so now... He must have been into self-hatred. Whoever, whoever whatever man started all this and ruined it for all the forthcoming men must have just hated himself. <laughs> There was a lot, though, and I'll talk about that, too. There was a lot of that in this time period, and there's a reason for that. Yeah, because why else, I mean, why why else would you perpetuate this? Well, because, and maybe we'll get into it now, that this time, especially in the Victorian era in the United States, this was after the Civil War, after all these things, and uh, if you're even looking at something like football, right, football is argued about, this is, some of this is debatable, but there's a a school of thought that says that football was created uh, to help 
the young men of of society who didn't have the opportunity to serve in the Civil War, right, mm-hmm. or have go through those rough and tumble kind of um, pursuits that toughen them up, like their fathers did. Oh, so okay. a lot of their fathers were in the Civil War and had to go through those hardships, and they uh-huh. felt like that generation was getting soft, oh. and so they started creating hardships and things. It was more I, the idea was to prove your manliness and to constantly be striving to prove how how much of a man you were. And that was a big thing during the during the Victorian times, and I only use football yeah. as an example because that's a, that shows you the mindset yeah. back then yeah. of you know okay we have to constantly be proving how tough you are yeah. okay um, and so we we fast forward a little bit into the uh, 19th century another uh, 19th century physician named John Skelton wrote a, a treatise on venereal disease and spermatorrhea in 1857 it was the first actual writing where he. Uh, references this, and this is again written in 1857, and I'll quote from that, sufferers of spermatorrhea become fretful and peevish, their memory fails, <laughs> they lose their courage and indignities, which they would formerly have resented. They now endure with patience. They become <laughs> confirmed hypochondriacs, are unfit for either business or serious reflection, and are disagreeable with themselves <laughs> and the world. See? Uh, again, at any given time, this could define yeah. me, so... <laughs> So uh, a lot of the, like you mentioned, the causes and and, uh, consequences that you mentioned earlier. Back then, though, and you touched on this, it was always attributed somehow or another to masturbation, but it was also attributed to an overly domesticated and unnatural, unmanly lifestyle. And so that's what I was talking about before, about how they were trying to get especially the young men who hadn't gone to war and hadn't, yeah. you know, our, our military at that time wasn't engaged in so many overseas conflicts and all this. Yeah. The Civil War really just ended. And so it was this generation and, of kids that were growing up in the aftermath of that. Yeah. And so you mean to tell me that <laughs> that masturbation didn't occur during the Civil War? Hello. Oh, yeah. Probably all the time. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. With all the prostitutes that were evidently paraded around with the troops but that was a different country that was not the civil war well okay now let me just but nonetheless i'll share a story with you that i you know i've (laughs) told plenty of listeners here that i served in the military i served my country and one thing you learn when you're in the army is that things have not changed in the army (laughs) over millennia from the very first armies when i was in and i'm not speaking from any kind of personal experience but i do know that the term was that we used was called um uh, well, it was just called a combat jack. <laughs> so, <laughs> if someone happened to be away for a while and needed to yeah. take care of something, and they said yeah. oh, he had to take care of combat jack, and then that was kind of the way it was. Yeah. It was accepted that that's how yeah. things were. So, I'm assuming that the Civil War was probably the same way. Yeah. So, nobody was concerned about any spermatoria. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but uh, the other things that were uh, attributed to causing this, and not just an uh, overly domesticated and unmanly lifestyle, but things like feather beds. Soft trousers, yeah. excessive reading of sentimental literature, <laughs> and sedentary pursuits. And so, again, you start to see this like, okay, you know, you have to yeah. prove your manliness yeah. and all that. And so, you better sleep on a rock. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you got sperm leaking, yeah. then that means you're, you're and, reading too and much. Don't, don't get emotional about, you know, Mary Jane's letter. And then I read that last part and it made me a little concerned because my wife and I have been watching Outlander, mm-hmm. which is like a complete romance novel. Yeah. And I'm like, this is what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Words can stir up these feelings. Sentimental nature. <laughs> With a physiologic response. <laughs> so later later in uh, the 1800s, another physician by the name of Robert Barth- 
Bartholo, excuse me, wrote spermatorrhea, its causes, symptoms, results, and treatments. I love these these papers that these guys wrote back then. They had the longest titles. Like there were a couple <laughs> of them where I had to like cut it short. But he concluded that again, excessive, excessive masturbation was the primary cause, and spermatorrhea rendered public and shameful men's private loss of self control and his inability to live up to the expectations of a dominant nineteenth century masculinity. And so, again, this whole idea is of masculinity, of the connection between losing semen and masculinity, which yeah. if you lose semen in the right context, then you're a man, which right, is so yeah. confusing, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, so, none of it makes sense. Yeah. So, you confused yeah. me with, with this it, episode, Christy. I want you to know that. <laughs> I was very confused, and I walked away from this whole thing extremely confused. Okay. So, Brian, let's say that, that you were around... Oh, <laughs> Yeah, so let's say that you, you know, were alive in the Victorian era and you had spermatorrhea, you and and every other man that you know. Weirdly enough, every day. (laughs) Um, Where, who do you turn to for treatment? Well, this, again, I use air quotes, disease, uh, was treated mostly by surgeons and We have to remember that during this time, surgeons had not yet become very organized or powerful. They were not very highly regarded back in those days. And surgeons treated venereal diseases, which was a very stigmatizing thing to do as part of your practice. So learned physicians would not have anything to do with venereal disease and spermatorrhea since it was classified as such. But the same people that were treating these patients, (laughs) they were of the same class as their patients. I mean, they were, you know, surgeons were part of this middle class. And so this meant that they must also have suffered (laughs) from the same disease. (laughs) So... Yeah, it it uh it caused people to start asking some questions about like is this really Real. a disease? Real. Is this really a problem? <laughs> How big of a problem is this? <laughs> well, interestingly enough, I what I read in my research is that this becomes like you mentioned earlier, it's becomes big business from around 1860 to yes. 1880. Like, yeah. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the quacks yeah, they they got their digs And in, I think of so. it like like today where you would probably have, if this were a thing now, you'd probably have all these infomercials and all these supplements and people and all these doctors would be like, oh my God, this is yeah. bullshit. You yeah. know, but, Don't but, believe them. Yeah. They're yeah. like, no, no, it, it yeah. actually works. Uh, we are going to talk about all the various treatments that <laughs> people endured for this. I'm telling you right, right now, I think... This would have been my own little secret disease had I been a man in the Victorian era. I would have just been like hushing my Mm. mouth going, I'm just not going to tell anybody about my loss of semen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because I, I mean, some of these treatments are mind blowing. Why don't you talk about one of the treatments, Brian? Sure. Okay. Well... One of the treatments, and we're going to go right, I guess, into the more (laughs) more extreme. (laughs) I'll read from a practical treatise on the diseases of the testis and spermatic cord and scrotum by Thomas (laughs) Curling. Did he have and, and, and in there? 
and oh. I used the ampersand. So yeah, yeah interesting. Right all out, right out yeah, interesting yeah. how grammar has changed. Well, I wonder if they want in the title, they want to put it all in there. So you, <laughs> so they you they start it. writing and they go, oh and yeah. oh and. <laughs> Oh, let's include one more. Yeah. Let's go ahead and include the spermatic cord. <laughs> so this is uh, what Mr. Curling had to say. <clears throat> Persons troubled with seminal emissions, which no effort of the will can prevent their provoking, <laughs> or which persist in spite of medical treatment, have in some instances been solicitous for the removal of their testicles. To get rid of the disgusting complaint, and individuals have even been known to perform the operation of castration upon themselves. Oh, You heard it right, folks. So now let's just back up for what we're talking about here. So we're very clear. This concept of spermatorrhea has to do with the leakage of semen, primarily due to masturbation. So how bad is it? (laughs) (laughs) I don't care what I have and what era it is. If you tell me the only way to get rid of it. Cut off your own scrotum. Mm -mm. Oh, my God, I knew this was going to be a great episode. So some some physicians note that cures are often shockingly invasive <laughs> and punitive. Um, and this goes back to what I was talking about earlier. Some men per, per, uh, perform this on themselves and looking at it now for, through a modern lens, especially being a man, I'm like, there's no way. And I don't care what you told me. Like, unless I was in some sort of like, just so extreme, like we did the lobotomy episode. Some of those guys were in such pain. That, I was just thinking yeah. about yonder dude. Yeah, yeah. Or whatever his name that one big as an egg. Or whatever. Yes, mm-hmm. I was just thinking about him, mm-hmm. thinking this makes his um, accomplishment of removing his own bladder stone pale in comparison. Yes. <laughs> I'm but sorry. there you have something that's obviously, he was probably at that time to have a bladder stone. And if people don't know what we're talking about, we did an episode about lithotomy, which, and a guy removed a bl- bladder stone that was the size of an egg. If you want to Google that, his name is what? Yondersloot? <laughs> I, I think his name is Jan Vanderdoot. Vanderdoot, that's or right. Yonderdoot. Yeah. There's a picture of him holding up an egg, but that came out of his... his... He's got a really bad bangs and a bad haircut. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> But in that case, he was in excruciating pain. And then yeah, and I yeah, can yeah. maybe see yeah. you got to do what you got to yeah. do. And the, the. I hope he wasn't a masturbator. Yeah, probably. I thought, no, probably. <laughs> His brother's painful. like, give me that knife. Yeah. Okay, you've you've done, you've gotten the stone out. Now give me that knife. <laughs> Step away from the scrotum. <laughs> <laughs> but the whole idea of castration back then, like I mentioned earlier, men proved their manliness, toughness, and ability to endure suffering and overcome physical weakness. So there were always some sort of opportunity. And you think about like, um, this is further down the road, but like Teddy Roosevelt talked about the rough indulgence. And he was, his whole famous story was that he was very privileged from a wealthy family back East, but he purposefully put himself through all these situations of, of trying to be as tough as possible to prove his toughness. And so you got, I mean, this is the time of bare knuckle boxing and like I mean, where yeah, men were so like, man. bare knuckle box. Yeah. I mean, but like, it's like, hmm, I masturbate yeah. too much. Gotta cut I off mean, my testicles. That I should mean, solve it. I mean, I am just, I, you know, we, we, we divide the sort of assignment for when we research this stuff. And I, I remember reading, touching on this, but I didn't read about it because I knew that you were going to research it. But this is just, I mean, unfathomable to me that anything could be so so bad. Like something pleasurable 
could be so bad for you. It's not even like we're talking about something painful mm-hmm. or like we're not even talking about, like, okay, how about all of their crazy drug addictions when mm-hmm. we were talking about patent medicines? It was okay to be strung out on, you know, 70% alcohol. Laudanum and all Yeah, that. all mm-hmm. this stuff, but yet <laughs> a little self-pleasure, whew, it'll get you in trouble. I wonder what the thought process is of someone who so believes that what they're doing is detrimental to their health, but then, because if you're, if you're... No, like how, yeah, how crazy, how deep into crazy town do you have to work Mm -hmm. yourself up into to, to convince yourself that that's what you should do? Or was it more of like a scenario where like you get caught? Yeah. Right? You get caught and then your wife is like, hmm. But I think it's also, and they mentioned this too, that some of it, because of the shame that went along with it. So if you had spermatorrhea, then that meant that obviously you were masturbating and you have no self-control and you have yeah. no self-discipline and you're you're um, a vile human being and all this stuff. So, I mean, why do you have to tell anybody? Well, that would be my <laughs> thing too. It's like, I can't imagine, like, I need to, I need to tell you I'm telling you, I would have, you know, Brian, I'm an open book. Like, <laughs> anybody... <laughs> Anybody that knows me probably probably thinks sometimes I wish she wouldn't share so quite so much. But I'm an open book and so I think if I had been a man, you know, in those days I would have just been a, an intensely private person. I mean, can you I'm sure somebody uh, probably like found the person for them and was like I need to tell you something very serious. <laughs> what is it, darling? Whatever it is, we can meet it together. <laughs> I have spermatorrhea. <laughs> I'm sorry, no. darling. What? I have spermatorrhea. Oh. <laughs> no. Tell me it isn't true. <laughs> so castration was one thing, and this was absolutely fascinating. You remember I told you as a man I learned quite a bit researching for this show. Yeah. But one of the other things that, that they postulated could help this condition, and this is, goes back to our guy, Le Yamon, um, circumcision. And so his, Leymond's work actually influenced another doctor by the name of William Acton, who is an English, uh, English physician. <laughs> he, they both identified, well, Acton identified really being influenced more by Leymond's work. He identified the foreskin as a major risk factor for childhood masturbation and later <laughs> subsequent spermatorrhea. It, it is argued that fear of spermatorrhea was a key factor in the wide acceptance of circumcision as a valid medical intervention in the late 19th century and thus today. So, a, again, as a man, I find that fascinating. Wait, 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 wait. Mm-hmm. Yep, process it. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have questions. Come on. So, they would circumcise young men after they I got to know. the age of masturbation? Uh, it's probably older k- children. Yeah, I'm probably assuming probably they wanted it to hurt. Yeah, give you a little lesson too. Because yeah. we're going to see what mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sickos they were. But I think what, what, going back to what I think is really fascinating is that, you know, now it's really a question of cosmetics, really. I mean, you have some cleanliness, obviously, for yeah, the foreskin. Yeah. And, and yeah. Uh, if you want to get into some deeper things, there's some, some issues like phimosis and things like oh, that. Oh, that yeah, there's get, a whole so. controversy about that. Yeah, there, there's, there's things yeah. that there are medical reasons why, and it can be argued either way. I've heard yeah. some people argue that we shouldn't be uh, circumcising children. Yeah. So, um, I won't yeah. even give my two cents here because, <laughs> because I don't want to offend anyone. Um but as a woman, I do have I do have my very I do have very uh, <laughs> strong feelings 
in one direction, but I'm going to just leave that to myself because because I'm not a man. And, and you don't not want really anyone fair, to get spermatorrhea. And it's and, not fair for me to, to chime in on that. Right. So, um, anywho. Mm-hmm. Okay. Carry on. Okay, now. Those are the two big shockers, but one of the ones. So, did they say that real quick before we move on from from the whole um, what did, castration? What, yes, mm-hmm. the castration. <laughs> Quite invasive. Yes. Um, did they say like? Did were there any like people died because? Oh, they I didn't see that, but all I did say or? was yeah. They they said that uh, it was obviously excruciatingly painful. Oh. I didn't see like what kind of because I don't know like who did this yeah. at home and, and yeah. it was done at self castration. <laughs> but again, God. you have to remember that this was a society that was used to doing this. If you're living in, in um, oh, at that time, they castrated cattle and yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. they knew to cauterize things and okay. stop bleeding. And so I'm assuming that that's right. how how that was. But can you imagine hearing it? I'm not even a man, and I'm blood curdling scream right from now. next door. No, like oh no no. I yeah. mean no. Yep. <laughs> Yep, bad ideas. Mm, 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 mm. Besides castration and <laughs> circumcision, such um, cuts with the knife, um, there were um, other things that were, I don't know, some might say these were equally shocking. Um, how about this? Crushed ice. Hmm. Okay. Now, how did they get ice? Oh, I mean, did they have electricity back No, then? they actually did have, uh, I am a self-admitted uh, history buff, yeah. but they did have ice houses back then. And so what you would do is you'd have like the ice, like, and you have an ice box. And so you'd have the ice man come yeah. deliver this gigantic piece of ice. And that's how you, that's But where ice. did that ice come from? Oh, they have uh, uh, different uh, uh, ice houses in different places. And they would actually, when the railroads came, they would have not necessarily cooled cars. As far as I know, I may have this totally wrong, but I, they had a way to keep the cars cool enough for where the ice would be dug out of, like, uh, you know, places where it was cold enough. And then it would get to where it's going, and they would so keep it So it was, it like, cold, outdoor so. ice. It was, like, yeah. frozen water oh, yeah. no, from no, no. outside, it was like, yeah, yeah, and they yeah, would yeah. transport. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, because I saw the crushed ice, and I'm thinking... Oh, no, there's famous pictures of the ice workers where they block these huge pieces of ice off, and they go down these conveyors, oh, and yeah, yeah, and they just had to figure out... I like don't know rock, how they... Like a rock quarry, but but ice? Yeah, it was, and there was just a whole operation where they cut these gigantic blocks of ice, okay. and I think there was... Obviously, they didn't have refrigeration, but there was some way that they kept yeah. it cold. Yeah, so. no, I know that they had ice boxes. Mm-hmm. I remember my grandmother talking about that now I'm not saying my grandmother had one in my lifetime, of course, but like in her lifetime, my grandmother had an icebox. Yeah. Yeah. In her lifetime. When she she just called the refrigerated icebox. So I grew up thinking about the icebox. Me too. Mm -hmm. Me too. I was just talking to someone, um, recently about this, asking them what they called it because I called it, they didn't know the English word for refrigerator. And I said, well, it's refrigerator or an icebox, and they were like, "Oh yes, icebox." Now so again, she's from too. Texas, and I grew up part of my life in Georgia. So, um, but my grandmother now an icebox, icebox is a specific thing. We're going off on way tangent here, but the refrigerator was a refrigerator. The stand-up, standalone freezer, my grandmother called an icebox, and so I didn't know that there was such thing as a um, real icebox. And yeah. So that's what I always called an yeah, icebox, uh, like a freezer, right? Okay. And okay. so to her, that was icebox. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's go back to we just called. The refrigerator that plugged in. We called that the icebox. Um, okay. So crushed crushed ice. Um, lead girdles. Mm-hmm. So I I don't really know much more about this. Uh, it's hard it was hard to find stuff um, 
when you tried to research further, it was hard to find stuff. Yeah. But lead girdles, I'm imagining that's some kind of like male chastity belt yeah. or something. I don't know. I ran across that too. It's exactly what it is. Yeah. Okay. And these um, are in catalogs too, by the way. You could find this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, electrical shock. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's see. Hot needles to the groin. Okay. Get this. Another quote from my one of my favorite books, Strange Medicine. And I quote. The first of these needles is to pass through the wrath of the perineum between the root of the scrotum and the margin of the anus. The third of these needles may be inserted in front of the first. I allow the needles to remain at least one hour and at the most three hours. So mm. acupuncture. So <laughs> I'm sorry. Is okay. there a problem? Okay. You just rained on my parade. I'm sorry, go ahead. Hmm. I wanted this to seem creepy and I'm sorry. terrible I'm and like I'm sorry. you know, sadistic. Um no, but if if anybody remembers what the RAF is, it's you know remember in the lithotomy episode I described it's it's the taint. Right. The right. Taint, it's yeah. it's basically that area. Okay. Um there was something else uh, that they used for treatment of this terrible, terrible fake disease. It was called, and I, I'm sure I'm not going to pronounce it correctly, but a boogie, a bougie, B-O-U-G-I-E, and I think it's a French term. Okay, let me describe this to you, because who cares what the, the name of it is? Let me just describe it. It's a narrow metal cylinder with a ball at the end which was coated with a caustic substance and passed through the urethral canal to destroy nerve endings so that they are less susceptible to excitement. This procedure was so painful that at least two patients died. And Lalamond or whatever, how do you say his name? Lalamond. Okay. (laughs) Is quoted as saying, it causes the most marked and lasting effects. <laughs> well, <laughs> you don't say. I mean, if you put a long metal rod with the ball at the end down my male urethra with some kind of caustic substance on the end of it, I'm sure I'm sure it would it would have lasting effects. I'm wincing when I watch a bladder catheterization, <laughs> so I can't imagine. I know, <laughs> I know, and and uh, yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Um, evidently, there was something, some person called Dr. Morig- Morigia, M-O, well, okay, Dr. Morigia's hunger cure. I guess maybe you just starved yourself uh, <laughs> so that you didn't feel like masturbating. I don't know. Uh, too hungry to masturbate? Um, <laughs> yeah. Dr. Dr. Althaus's mechanical device was an electric current from the urethra, which had the negative pole, to the groin, which had the positive pole. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? I, oh, people, why? Okay. How about this? Surgeon John Laws Milton. Silver nitrate injections into the groin, which turned the skin black. And I'm wondering if that was sort of like a shame tattoo. Hmm. Yeah. Or maybe just to completely discourage you from wanting to do it. 
Yeah, who's I gonna mean, see it? first of all, silver nitrate injections. I think it would turn the skin in the immediate area black. Yeah. So who? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It did. Yeah, but it who's going to see it? So well, a woman. But I don't think back then they were doing it with the lights on. So I don't mm. think it was. Yeah. Or maybe they didn't even look down there. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> They're <laughs> just the like business. feeling around in yeah. the dark. <laughs> okay. How about this? Uh, also from Surgeon John Laws Milton. A leather urethral string. Okay. Another quote from Strange Medicine. Its points turned inwards on the penis as to produce no uneasiness until erection comes. When the patient can jump out of bed and thus arrest an impending emission. Of blood and like, (laughs) I mean, not okay. So, yeah. So it was this ring that you put around, but it had these sharpened oh i have pictures of it i'll show you there will not be um any portraits that i know of for this one but take a take a look at this and look at the various sizes <laughs> it is a cock ring with teeth for anyone looking it looks like um when you look at i'm, I'm gonna describe this it looks like a knife turned into a circle no, it looks like <laughs> when you see the pictures of of sharks jaws Oh, yeah. That's what it looks like, but yeah. in this perfect circle. Yeah. Now, imagine that around your, with, your penis. With a clamp mm-hmm. and all kinds of little gadgets mm-hmm. to make that sucker tighter. Okay. Um, let's see. But these rings would slip off the penis in the night. So it was suggested to fasten it to the penis with a padlock. <laughs> Which I think are these little locks right oh, here. Okay. Okay, okay. And then... Um, there was a tooth ring which worked like a mouse trap that would snap shut at the at the slightest provocation. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, Brian, could you imagine putting this on yourself on purpose? No, but on I, purpose. I actually came across the same thing in my research and there was one uh, German and it, the, the thing also I want to say is that what I read that these were well in, uh, still in use well into the 20th century. Like I don't know if they were widely used, but they were available. You could yeah. still purchase these. Uh, there was a German one that was fitted for boys. Um, and you can find these in catalogs and things like this. But boys were fitted with the rings with teeth on them, exactly like what we described, to prevent nocturnal emissions or masturbation. If the boy's penis became erect, the sharp teeth would then puncture the shaft of the penis. Can you imagine? No. I mean, just like from something totally natural that's supposed yeah. to happen. Yeah, like, yeah, there's yeah. There's a reason why right, that's supposed yeah. to happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're going to bed and your mother's like sliding this thing on you and just like, now you will sleep and you will Come on, Johnny, roll over. Like, too. (laughs) You think they they put up a fight against it? I would have. (laughs) Oh, no, I'll take the whooping. One for you and one for daddy. Yeah, no, I'll take the whooping over that any day of the week. (laughs) Okay, how about this? Dr. Trousseau, uh, hot sand to the genitals. Hmm. Let's go to the beach. Wool soaked in turpentine. This next thing is called the electric Lara. No, I thought this one was fascinating. This was invented by a hospital student by the name of uh, Monier. So his brother had been suffering from spermatorrhea <laughs> for about 14 years. And so he came up with... For 14 years. Yeah, yeah, every <laughs> it's day. A, it's terrible. It's a long-lasting <laughs> Poor illness. Poor guy. I can't get anything done. <laughs> so his, he fashioned a small, very light ring, which was attached to the front of the pubis by two cords. And the cords were designed to make an alarm ring by the pole, by what, they, what he says, with the poles of a pile, and a pile is a battery. So, in short, he basically fitted his brother with a little... <laughs> electric cock <laughs> ring. Electric cock ring, right. 
And so anytime, but that's better than having teeth on it. So as you're sleeping, you hear a little ding. Yeah, like, but oh. then the, the but then does everybody else in the family does hear it too? Oh. Yeah, <laughs> because because the thing that again a quote from Strange Medicine it says uh, the rubber tube. Okay, I'm just gonna re- yeah I'm gonna. Mm. Oh, were you finished talking about it? No, no, go, no, ahead. go ahead. No, 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 go no, ahead. No, I was I'm just sorry. gonna say though, exactly what you said. They realized that the other people could hear this too, so the whole <laughs> thing could be fitted with a rubber tube for listening in the ear, which is an upgrade from the oh. original. One. Yeah. So. Oh. Okay. No, I I think maybe ours were different. Then. Oh. Okay. 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 So maybe ours were a little bit different. So mine. Uh, so this is a ring placed on the penis, and and I'm gonna read a quote from again from one of my favorite books, Strange Medicine. The instrument consists of a ring, which is hinged for the purpose of keeping the circuit open when the organ is quiescent. Upon the ring is a flat plate of ivory furnished with a bolt, which, upon erection, is pushed backwards so as to complete the circuit. With the ring and bolt are connected two insulated wires, which convey the current to binding screws. On the circuit being completed by the pushing back of the bolt, i.e. erection, the hammer strikes the bell. (laughs) Then it says, The device worked as intended, but after testing it at home, several doctors complained. They said the alarm kept going off and that it was hard to clean. (laughs) So... Another one I got that maybe you didn't get was prostate gland uh, cauterization, which I thought was interesting that they figured that one out. But they said this was (laughs) extremely invasive (laughs) and probably excruciatingly painful as an option. So, yeah. um, But yeah, I guess it was unavailable. And there were conservative treatments, too, that I think we should mention, too. I mean, they pretty much consist. They mentioned drugs to blunt the libido, but I didn't go into detail about what those drugs were. They probably, I'm sure maybe they figured out something that would probably reduce your sex drive. They have probably had that kind of side effect. But cold bathing and temperate lifestyle. (laughs) (laughs) Stop whacking it. Um, well, I also got piercing of the penis with metal rings coated with chemical irritants, mm. which made the penis too sore to even touch, much less masturbate. That'll do it. And then the only other thing I got was um, other various treatments which were designed to empty the body of fluids, such as diuretics, enemas, mm. laxatives, suppositories, and wait for it, anal leeches. Oh. <laughs> I I'll tell you I'll take the anal leeches over a lot of other stuff you're offering to treat my spermatoria. But Brian, if you had to choose, okay, okay, let's play. What if? What if you had spermatoria back in this day? Which treatment? Which treatment would you choose? I'm doing the conservative, temperate (laughs) lifestyle. I'm gonna go. Yeah, (laughs) yes, sir. I agree. I'm gonna go do that. I'm gonna go home and do that right now. Yes, sir. I'm going to do that today. But my question when you said anal leeches is in the in the life of a leech, let's say that <laughs> <laughs> let's say you're in the leech pond and you know that some leeches get picked and like they come get you and you could serve a, a better purpose to like help humanity. And you're, you're going to go You're going to use your life to yeah, in the service and of others. And one day you're going to get picked. Like that's that's the thing that's going to happen to you and you you might go to a, a barber surgeon you might go to an apothecary, <laughs> but you wind up as an anal leech. Right. Like, of all the places yeah. you could have to suck. Yeah. <laughs> that would suck. 
It would suck to be an anal leech. <laughs> so, Christy, let's talk about modern day concerns. So, since we've talked about, like you mentioned in, when we first started with this topic, that that was the uh, Victorian era definition of spermatorrhea and and which was a fake disease because really what we're talking about is masturbation here yeah. and trying to control people's urges. <laughs> yeah. But when I researched modern day concerns over this, I was shocked because it's a thing. Like there are reasons why semen would leak involuntarily from the body. Mm-hmm. And let me just go over a couple of those. So let me just preface this by, I think we're going to say in the beginning here that this is, if you got kids around, they probably shouldn't be listening to some of this episode. Oh, but you shouldn't have been listening to any of this episode. Probably, but, but if you are a young man and you are listening to us, leakage of semen when aroused or having sexual thoughts is perfectly normal. And at <laughs> night yeah. and all that kind of stuff, perfectly <laughs> normal. So let me just say that out there. But now... I did not know this, but semen leakage today, so according to the sources I read, is one of the most common problems that men face. Now, Mm -hmm. I'm a man, and I've been a man for quite some time now. Are you going to survey your friends? I've had plenty of friends tell me all kinds of things that probably I don't want to know. Yeah. Now, one of my friends, and I have quite a few friends, has ever been like, dude, I got semen leaking and I can't stop it. Oh, so maybe they took a page out of my book and and are like, you know, I'm just going to shuddy. Now I'm going to start looking at everybody going, you're a semen leaker. Yeah. Now, I will say, without getting too graphic, probably every one of my friends would fit the classical 19th, 18th century Victorian era definition to a T. Um, but excessive masturbation is still considered to be the primary cause of what now is considered to be retrograde ejaculation, where semen actually goes into the bladder. Oh, mm-hmm. uh-huh. And now this can actually happen for a lot of different reasons. So this can happen from alcohol abuse, from chronic infections, lack of zinc, genital deformity, um, uh, and other reasons can cause this. And when we say retrograde, meaning flowing backwards. And mm-hmm. so um, now this made me think as I'm listening, as I read that, like, wow, that would be a really cool diagnostic test. To see. <laughs> But my suspicion is that they probably, what they probably do is test your urine for the presence of sperm. Oh. I bet it's just a urine test, hmm. a urinalysis. Hmm. I mean, if we're going to see the process. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we could put a little camera on one <laughs> sperm and just follow it. <laughs> so there, again, there's different reasons, but there are some main reasons why this can happen. So you can have semen leakage during urination, which can have various causes. And this is actually not... Uh, has nothing to do with, with, well, it does. Excessive masturbation is still considered to be a primary cause. And again, this is really caused by more of the retrograde ejaculation that yeah. it back, basically back flows into the bladder and you're going to urinate it out. Uh, sperm leakage during bowel movements. And so the prostate glands can actually become congested during the weak, weakened nerves. And this, was, this is actually thought to be caused by frequent arousal without ejaculation. So... Uh, I think the term that some people use is edging. So uh, maybe that is not necessarily the thing that people <laughs> should be doing because you could cause yourself to have this problem. The fascinating aspect of to modern concerns about spermatorrhea, which I thought was really interesting, was the anti-pornography movement. And here is where uh, a lot of, and if you aren't familiar, there's quite a few, if you go online now, um, that are trying to get men to, in particular, it's just really aimed more towards men, mm-hmm. um, to stop using pornography and masturbation okay uh-huh. um but this is actually a really big topic and when i was researching this i came across the anti-pornography kind of slant to it uh-huh. and i went on one site and they were saying unwanted semen leakage is reported in people who abstain from masturbation i guess these are pretty extreme cases uh-huh. but uh this is a <laughs> 
they say on this site, it says, and I quote, it happens, and they consider when you stop masturbating and watching pornography, if you have an addiction problem, you are rebooting. And so this site says, it quote, it happens either prior to rebooting or during the early stages of rebooting, end quote. So as you're programming your body to stop these bad habits, and in this sense, I think anything, if you look at anything that can be addictive or is done in a way you're not going to work and not going to think, right. this everything is not Everything in moderation, yeah. people. <laughs> this is not a positive thing. masturbation. Yes, if you take anything away from this whole episode. <laughs> no. um, but it actually, I, when I read this on one site, uh, somebody had written on the on the forum, hey, I'm having this issue. Um, has anyone else dealt with this? And the site person, administrator person was like, uh, this is a huge topic. This comes up in every forum, so I'm going to devote a special page to this. And mm-hmm. I followed that. And then if you read, all these men are like, yeah, I'm starting to notice <laughs> it. Was your like, wife like, yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but the, I came away like, wow, this is really a, a thing. Like yeah. that is, I, I was really surprised because if, when you're reading all the early stuff that we talked about, I'm like, yeah. okay, this is clearly BS, you know. Yeah. But yeah, this yeah. is actually something that, that could really happen. So yeah, so huh. modern day concerns. Hmm. Don't get it. Thanks for listening. We hope you join us next week. And uh, very soon we're going to be talking about women's hysteria. (laughs) Thank you.